0: Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and it says But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that, it, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are travelling with him, the men who were travelling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias came. And lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered the Lord, answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who will call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine for he is cho- he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for i will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name so ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hand on him he said brother saul the lord jesus whom appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. This is God's word and today we thank God for the reading of his word. Acts chapter 9. So this week we are now in like I said, Acts chapter 9. But before we do that, I would like to recap, before we study the passage of Scripture that we read here today, I would like to recap on some of the key figures in the last eight chapters that we looked at. We looked at, um, for the past several weeks, we have been looking at Acts chapter um, in the book of Acts. And some of the key figures... Are, uh, uh, that we're going to look that, that I'm going to make mention here is Peter we looked at Stephen I mean for Peter we saw him on the day of Pentecost and he continued to let the church continue to see miracles continue to see signs and then Acts chapter 7 we are presented with Stephen Acts 6 with Stephen and, and Stephen and Philip were presented as the two men out of the seven that were called by God that were chosen by the, the church in Jerusalem to become, to, to be their deacon. So we saw Peter, we saw Stephen, and then we saw Philip. men who God used to proclaim his word. But to, but not only to proclaim his word, but also to witness of the power of God. People were, we, we see the witness and the power of God in their lives. And this week we are going to look at the conversion of Saul of Tarsus who would later be known as the Apostle Paul and we have seen in the lives of not only Peter not only Stephen not only Philip but we also saw in the lives of Simon and the Ethiopian eunuch that salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit and not the work of man and Saul's conversion brothers and sisters is a reminder to us That no one can come to Christ, as the Bible says, as Jesus says, unless the Spirit of God draws him. No one can come to saving faith unless the Spirit of Christ draws him. Each and every one of us, brothers and sisters, has a Damascus experience. Every one of us have walked on that road, not the physical road that Paul walked, on the road of Damascus but we're going to use it as an example that each and every one of us can say tonight that we do have a Damascus road experience every one of us and I wanna ask this question what does your Damascus road experience looks like and how did God bring you to faith in Jesus Christ I am certain that every born-again believer can testify of what of their born-again or their Damascus road experience. Each and every one of us knows what it looks like. And each and every one of us has a unique testimony of how you how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. How God deliver you out of darkness. How God, from not only from darkness, but from the power of sin, from the power of Satan, and from the power of self. And how God transformed your life or our lives for his glory and for his honor. No matter how different our Damascus Road experience is, we have one thing in common here this afternoon. That is the new birth which is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit that brings each and every one of us to faith in Jesus Christ. No matter how different our experiences are, it is the Holy Spirit who is at work in and through our lives. And I, want, I would like to encourage you over the course of this week here to reflect on your Damascus Road experience. And maybe some of you may take some time this week, if I may encourage you, just to write down what that experience looks like for you. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? And spend some time maybe this week to tell a friend or tell a neighbor or tell a loved one how God has changed and transformed your life. How God take you, took you, from, take you out from, the, from darkness and bring you into his light. So this week here, we are going to spend some time to get to know Saul of Tarsus, whose life was consumed with hatred against the Christian, against Christian or Christianity or the early church. And then would later become the greatest missionary to the Gentile. And God used him to take the gospel To the the Gentile world. Which is in line with God's plan that the gospel will go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then to the outermost part of the world. And God will use Saul who will later become the Apostle Paul to be the vehicle or the vessel to accomplish his plan, to accomplish his purpose. Now Acts chapter 9 and verse 1 through 19 provides us with a picture of how this conversion took place which is the external evidences that 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 acts chapter 9 is giving us then later in philippians chapter 3 verse 1 through 14 paul will tell us what that experience looks like internally how god changed and transformed his life from the inside out But what we have here in Acts chapter 9 is the external experience. The Spirit of God, God came, Jesus came and revealed himself to him. This experience here is God, Jesus visibly manifests himself to him. And we have no no record of his internal conversion or his internal spiritual conversion. That is going to be in Philippians Not every one of us will have an external conversion like the Apostle Paul. Encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, a visible manifestation. Not every one of us. This is unique to the Apostle Paul. But each and every one of us can testify of that internal work of the holy spirit in our lives and that internal work of the holy spirit in our life is our damascus road experience how god brought you how god delivered you and how god set you free and that is the title of my message today our damascus road experience and like i said earlier on i want and i would like you and i would encourage you Or I beg of you, like Paul says, or I entreat you, or I urge you, brothers and sisters, to tell somebody this week about your experience, about how God changed and how God transformed your lives. So, quickly I will sort of bring up a slide for you to see how we have been traveling through the book of Acts. And um, you're going to quickly get an outline as to where we came from and where we're going so first of all the church we looked at the church in Jerusalem from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 8 we see the movement of God in the lives of the of the Jerusalem church then in Acts chapter 8 all the way to Acts chapter 12 we're going to see and we are in that place right now where, where where the gospel is moving from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria And as we continue down the book of Acts, we're going to be able to see Paul's missionary journey, how God is going to use this man to bring honor and glory and spread the gospel to the rest of the world. And then we're going to look at, in the remaining chapters, Paul in Jerusalem, and then Paul's journey to Rome and in his final journey. So this is just a quick recap as to where we came from and where we're going. And I trust and pray that as you spend time reading God's word, as part of your devotion that you will read the book of acts as well and spend some time allowing god to speak to you so when you when you come here on a sunday evening you can you can ta- you can be able to relate to some of the things that i'm saying so that is just to encourage you and that's a quick outline and so just to get back to the apostle paul we were first introduced to Saul sorry to Saul of tarsus in acts chapter 7 And we first encounter him there as uh, when we saw when we when we read about the stoning of Stephen, and I'm going to read Acts chapter um, Acts chapter seven verse 58 for you so that you can get a sense as to where the uh, where Saul of Tarsus um, um, was first mentioned. Then they cast out verse 58 out of the city and stoned him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, which is Stephen. They stoned him to death. Because he bear witness of who Jesus Christ is. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That is, those of the Jewish people. Those who stood and witnessed Paul, um, Stephen's being stoned to death. It says that they were stoning. As they were stoning Stephen, he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said these, he fell asleep, gave up the ghost, died. But right in the midst of that stoning was a young man named Saul. You see, Stephen was a Greek-speaking Jew Or a Hellenist Jew. Who became a follower of Jesus Christ. This Jesus of Nazareth. It was Stephen who who testified of who Jesus Christ is. And in Saul's mind, followers of Jesus Christ are filling, in his mind, are filling Jerusalem with the lies of this self-proclaimed Messiah. It's the one whom they claim was raised from the dead. And you know that as a Pharisee, do not believe in the, in, 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 the, in, in the resurrection. And Saul, he believed that he was responsible to bring an end to the madness. And to stop this insanity that was taking over Jerusalem. Which is to bring an end these disciples and to stop he will do everything to stop them so stephen was the beginning of the persecution of the church and then later in acts chapter 22 and verse 20 paul would confess of the killing of stephen and hear what he says in verse 20 in acts chapter 22 and when the blood of stephen your witness was being shed here what Paul says, I myself was standing by approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. He says, I give the approval to kill this young man. And from since then, deep down in his heart, he had this hatred towards believers of Christ. Then in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, we are again being presented with Saul, hatred against Followers of Christ. Acts 8. 1. We looked at that several weeks ago. And it says. And there arose that day a great persecution. The church not only Stephen be, was killed. But now the church. The entire Jerusalem church. Is now faced with this great persecution. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. So every one of those disciples of Jesus Christ left the Jerusalem except the apostles. And like I said before, there were between fifteen to 20,000 people that fled for their lives. But it was not only for, 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 for their lives, but they were also doing something that was unique. They were spreading the gospel everywhere they go. And it says, Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul... Hear what it says, this same Saul was ravaging, ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And that was this hatred, that was his hatred towards believers in Christ. That he was going from house to house, not spearing anyone or anyone that believed or named the name of Christ. Persecuting the church. And Saul would become the first persecutor of the early church, or the early Christians. His heart was so filled with hatred against Christianity, against the believers in Christ. He believed that he was doing God's work in stopping the spread of Christianity. And in his mind, this false religion are taking over Jerusalem. Jerusalem. These believers are taking over Jerusalem and are spreading this false doctrine, this false teaching. You see, Saul was well educated in the teaching of the Old Testament and of the God of Israel. But he was blinded by his strict adherence to keep the law that he would not see, that he would not see that he was fighting against God. And against the Lord Jesus Christ. But I will draw your attention to two passages of scripture here today. Where Paul himself confessed. Where he himself confessed. Concerning his his desire to persecute the church. And the the blindness of his heart. Let me turn your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength. This is Paul writing to young Timothy. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, he says. He says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief. Then in Galatians, he he was writing to the church at Galatia. Galatia, he said in in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, he says. And I was advancing in Jerusalem beyond many of my age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. He says, I embrace the tradition of my fathers. And I wanted to bring an end to Christianity and to these believers in Christ. And then in, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he says, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, he says, For I am the least, here Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain on the contrary he said i work harder than any of them though it was not i but the grace of god that is within me paul says but paul says that 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 he was Persecuting the church with this zeal and this passion and this desire in his heart. Now I want to ask the question, how many of us in in our past has made the same mistake before we came to faith in Jesus Christ? How many of us, God, has met us on 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 our road to Damascus? How many of us have done things in our life against believers in Christ and against God? And when we look back, we are ashamed to talk about it. I mean, I remember when my three sisters got saved and gave their life to Christ. I was the the closest one who used to give them the hardest time when it comes to their belief. When it comes to their faith, when it comes to their relationship with God. I used to tell them they are crazy, they are mad, they are serving a dead God. But I was the one that was blinded. But my own self righteousness. But I want to encourage you today no, you should never be ashamed to testify of your Damascus Road experience. Because God will always use your Damascus Road experience to bring honor and glory to Christ. God will always use your past to bring glory and honor to Him. And the only way our Damascus Road experience will bring honor and glory to Christ is when we are willing to share it and testify of it and to tell others about what that looks like. And Paul will spend the rest of his life preaching Christ and him crucified and then talk and testify about the grace of God in his life, how God changed him, how God transformed him. And if God can do that for such a man with such hatred, imagine what God can do to anyone. And then we move from Acts chapter 7, Saul watched Stephen. We saw him cause the church to move out from Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 9, we are here today, gives us the account of such a sinner, what it looks like. And the opening verse of Acts chapter 9 says, but Saul... I mean, the guy never stopped from persecuting the church. As much as the church moved out of Jerusalem, he was still attacking the church. But Saul, hear what it says, still breeding threats and murders against the disciple of the Lord, went to the high priest. And hear what he says, and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way the christians were known as the way they were not known as christians believers in christ were not known as christians in the early church they were known as the people of the way belonging to the way men or women that he might bring them bound to jerusalem this guy was willing to travel 150 miles or 60 miles To go bring believers in Christ and bring them back, capture them from Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem to persecute them. But I love the word that that Luke is using here. He says, still breeding threats and murder. That means that he he was constantly so occupied, his life was so filled with hatred. In the NIV and the King James Version says still breathing out. Means that he was, he was still ravaging the church. And what he did, he went to the high priest. At, and the high priest at, this, at the time was Caiaphas. The same high priest who was responsible for the accusation that brought against Jesus. And he asked Caiaphas for letters so that he can go and bring the people of the way back to Jerusalem. See, they were never called Christians in the early days. They were known as the people of the way. Only until the fourth century, four three four hundred years after believers in Christ were given the name Christians. It was until Constantine make declared got saved and declared Christianity as a recognized religion or legally recognized as a religion only then the name Christianity was being used but other than that they were called many names the people of the way were one of that and the, 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 this, the, this name is going to be used at least five times alone in the book of Acts You see the reason why they were called the people of the way is because Jesus declared. Jesus said they understand his teaching that he is the way, that I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. There is no other way to God. And the message of the early believers is that salvation, there is salvation in no other but the name of Jesus. That is what Peter declared in Acts chapter 4 and he said there is salvation in no other. And today Christians are persecuted and are hated because of this this exclusive claim made by Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 6. And some believers are ashamed to proclaim the truth, this truth today. That Jesus is the only way. That Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Why? Because we are told that we must be tolerant of other religious beliefs, religion and beliefs. Yes, we must be. We must be tolerant. But we do not have this. But other religions do not have the same respect for Christianity. Jesus said, because they have done it to me, they are going to do it to you. And we are going to be persecuted. We are going to face, we are going to be hate for the name of Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the way, not one of the way, the only way. I am the way. There is no other way to God. And it's hard sometimes for believers to grasp that and to understand that Jesus is the only way. And many times we ask, what about this? And what about our religion? Or what about this denomination? No, no, no. It is Jesus. There is no other way. And early Christians, early believers died in hundreds to stand up for this truth. They did not have to defend that Jesus is the way or the only way. What they were doing is that they were willing to lay down their life for it. Because they firmly believed that Jesus' word is what he said it is. And even the very Bible that you and I have in our hand today, brothers and sisters, if you're listening to me. Christians were born to the stake so that you and I can get a copy today so that we can read it. And many of us have five, six copies. And yet again, we don't spend time reading it. But Christians die for their faith and die for this word You see, Saul must have heard that those who belong to the way are now intruding the synagogues at Damascus with their false teaching, their false Christ. And he wanted to put an end to it. And like I said, Damascus is about 150 miles away from Jerusalem, which would have taken Paul, um, Saul two weeks to get to Damascus by foot. So nothing was going to stop this man Nothing was going to get in his way to bring an end to this madness. Damascus had a very large population of Jews. Which means that most of the Hellenist Jews who became followers of Christ may have fled to Damascus and are now spreading the, spreading the gospel within the synagogues, within the, within the, 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 the villages um, within Damascus. And that is what he, was, he set out to do. Then later in Acts chapter 22, Paul testifies of, of his zeal in persecuting the believers in Christ. Hear what he says in Acts. Acts chapter 22, he says, and verse 4, he says, I persecuted this way. Look, he uses the word again. I persecuted this way, not Christians. This way means the people of Christ. He says, I persecute them to death, binding and deliver them to prison. Both men and women, for as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness, for then I receive letters from the brothers. I journeyed to Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. He testified of this. And then later in Acts chapter 26, he would give give a defense to Agrippa, King Agrippa. He said, hear what he said to King Agrippa in verse 29. He says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things. Hear what he says. I was convinced to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I was formally believed that what I do, I had a genuine cause to do what I did. And I did so in Jerusalem, yes. I persecuted the church in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He says, I approve of their death. And I punish them often in all the synagogues and try to make them blaspheme. I try to stop them from blaspheming. And to turn their backs, and in ravaging fury against them, I persecute them, even to foreign cities. He says, yes, I am the one who did this. And then he will write, then he wrote to to the church at Galatia, and he says, For you have heard of my former life in Jerusalem, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my age. And I read this passage before. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. And then coming back to Acts. Chapter 9, Paul says, Now, Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, Luke is going to say, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone. Around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, I just want to draw your attention to something here today the double repeat of his name, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? There are at least seven people in the Bible that God called their name twice. Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Samuel, Simon, Martha, and now Saul. Saul will be the last. Seven times, seven people God called their name twice. Why? Because God wanted to get their attention and also his strong affection for them. But what was, more, what was key to when God called their name twice. Is that when you look at each one of these individuals. That encountered God in this way. It was a life changing experience for them. They were never the same again. Moses, Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, Simon, Martha, and now Saul. For Saul, this was going to be his first vision of the living Christ. The Damascus Road experience was his first vision of the living Christ. And after which there are going to be five others in the book of Acts, he's going to be able to conquer the living Christ again. What was his response? He says, Lord, Lord. Who are you, Lord? Where did he get this from? The same God, that, the same people that he's persecuting. persecuting. He responds when he heard the voice of God. When he met the living Christ, he says, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? I mean, he had to know about the Messiah. He had to know about the living Christ. He had to hear the gospel somewhere. But Bible says no one can come to faith. The, the Word of God must be preached. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And here you see God met a man who was filled with so much hatred towards his people and will change and transform his life. You know, this reminds me of John Newton, and I'm sure many of you know John Newton. Who experienced the living Christ. His Damascus Road experience caused him to write the most beautiful hymn that ever written. Amazing Grace in 1772. He wrote Amazing Grace. And then it was published in 1779. He says, Amazing Grace. Hear hear the words of John Newton. He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, he says, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved. He says, how precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Only God can demonstrate such grace and such love, brothers and sisters. Then at the end of that last stanza, he says, when we've been dear, 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we know less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun only God brothers and sisters can do such work in the heart of a sinner and only God can open the eyes of the blind no matter how wretched a sinner you are today no matter how miserable how terrible Terror, terror, terrible, you have messed up, oh, how worse a sinner you may think you are, God is able to deliver you and set you free, God is able to transform your lives, like the apostle Paul, God is going to meet you where you are, and it, is, and it is not you that are seeking him out. He is seeking you out because you are lost. And like the Apostle Paul, he was lost. He was blind by his hatred towards believers in Christ. But God met him and demonstrated the greatest triumph of grace was to change and to transform his life. And every one of us here today Like the Apostle Paul has a Damascus Road experience. So I want to encourage you this afternoon as we will continue to look at Acts chapter 9 next week about who the Apostle Paul was. We're going to look more deep into his life. Today we just look at his Damascus Road experience, how God changed and transformed his life. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. That I I would encourage you to reflect on where you were in your life before you came to Christ and how God touched and changed and transformed your life for His honor and for His glory. Spend some time this week, I encourage you, and write it out or to tell somebody about a goodness. Of God in your life. And I trust and pray. Each and every one of us. Will take that time out. Maybe if you want to send it to the Living Hope community. Maybe if you wanted to share what God has. what What your Damascus Road experience was like. You can talk to me. You can talk to Mike. You can talk to anyone. To say hey. I want to tell the world. I want to share this experience that God has changed and transformed our life but don't keep it to yourself let us pray Father we thank you tonight Lord God that there's so much that we can learn from the Apostle Paul God that we haven't even dived deep down into the other verses and passages but Lord our hearts are so filled to this evening, God, to be reminded, Lord, of the Apostle Paul and his Damascus Road experience. And I pray, God, as we reflect on his experience, what our experience was like. God, each and every one of us that are listening, that are within the sound of my voice, God, can say that they do have a, a Damascus Road experience. One where God, that you have come. One where God, that you have changed. One where God, that you have delivered them from the power of darkness, from sin, from Satan, from self. God, that you have transformed their lives and bring them to the knowledge of the truth so that they can serve you. I pray, God, that you will touch every life and heart this evening. And those that don't know you, God, I pray that they will come to know you and be able to know god that you're a god that is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above that you are the god that's able to change and transform lives because only you have the power to change a sinner's heart only you have the power to transform someone's life and so we give you praise and we give you glory and honor god in jesus name amen